0: sickle, bleeding saints and forest witches, the past unburied, the books unsealed, the old celebration returning. Welcome to my study. Come in. Uh, now, listeners who did not happen to tune in for our last episode may have some catching up to do, as there have been some uh, changes with our program. We have someone new pulling our books from the shelves here and reading those passages that will be uh, directly quoted. And her name is Mrs. Carswell. Hello. Now. I've had quite a few questions about my uh, former valet and what exactly happened. And as I said last week, I really don't want to go into it all. Uh, Suffice it to say, it was a uh, very sad, very uh, unfortunate event. But Mrs. Carswell has done an excellent job taking over Not only the readings for the show, but the uh, management of uh, household affairs. Thank you. There have been all manner of inquiries and forms and statements to sign as uh, fallout from all of this, not to mention the repairs to the house. So in the interest of maintaining some sort of equilibrium, we have agreed not to speak of the uh, situation with... um, uh,
1: My brother. Uh,
0: Yes, I wasn't sure what we were going to say exactly. Mrs. Carswell, you see, thought it best to avoid mentioning her brother's name. That is the name of my uh, former valet.
1: Names are a form of invocation.
0: Well, in this case... in, In any case, I was going to mention that we are temporarily suspending our mailbag listener question segment as it's been overwhelmed with questions not really relevant to the program but just prying me for information about... uh,
1: Just say X if you don't know what to say. About X.
0: Any substitution
1: will take the power away.
0: Right. But I would encourage listeners who have questions related to actual folklore to submit them for uh, future segments or even, even questions about our new reader... Um, I normally don't suggest those sorts of personal questions, but if we could just get a bit more forward-looking in our queries, assuming you don't object, Mrs. Carswell?
1: Of course not.
0: Perhaps they'd like to know your interests and hobbies, maybe about your bees. Mrs. Carswell, for instance, has won awards in the area of uh, beekeeping and honey production.
1: Pop-fast bees. It's the best, honey. And our family's line is pure like it should be. Others say they keep Buckfast, but their queens are open-mated. You can't say you keep Buckfast with a queen like that. It's disgusting.
0: Well, we'll save the bees for the next show. It's just an example. It's
1: disgusting, calling herself a queen and acting like that. Perhaps
0: we can get into a bit of bee folklore. We
1: burned six hives back in 1994 when that happened. There's nothing else you can do. I wasn't going to tell Mother till morning, but when she found out... She just lit up. It was after midnight, but she went right out there with the kerosene. In her nightgown. I remember her standing there in front of the fire. It barely covered her.
0: All right, then. I'm going to start the show now. Episode 32, Vampires, Shroud Eaters, and the White Plague. I am your host, Al Ridenauer and this show, Bone and Sickle, explores the intertwining of horror and folklore in a historical context. I started the show as a way to further explore this uh, area of intersection after writing my book, The Krampus and the Old Dark Christmas. Bone & Sickle only exists thanks to the generosity of our Patreon donors, who receive a number of monthly rewards related to the uh, production of this show. And uh, I'll have more information on Patreon and the rewards received at the end of this episode. Sweet, solemn thought. The hymn you're hearing was played at Exeter, Rhode Island's Chestnut Hill Cemetery in June of 1884. It was requested as the uh, farewell music at the funeral of Mary Olive Brown, whose mother had died the year before, like Mary, of uh, tuberculosis. In January of 1892, Mary's sister, Lena, also died of the disease, and because it was winter and the ground frozen, she was stored in a crypt for spring burial in the uh, family plot. Lena was eventually buried and received a tombstone in which her middle name was more prominently chiseled, and it's by that middle name that uh, some listeners may already know her, Mercy Brown. Mercy has a reputation as an American vampire, a sort of vampire at least, thanks to a curious New England folk belief and the uh, ghoulish ritual that transpired after her burial. The ritual was undertaken when Mercy's brother Edwin also sickened with tuberculosis. The uh, superstition in question and the reason Mercy's father embraced it are explained in this story from the uh, Providence Journal of uh, March 19th, 1892.
1: During the few weeks past, Mr. Brown has been besieged on all sides by a number of people who expressed implicit faith in the old theory that by some unexplained and unreasonable way in some part of the deceased relative's body, live flesh and blood might be found, which is supposed to feed upon the living who are in feeble health.
0: Three days later, an article in that same paper further clarified the details of the ritual that uh, was to be undertaken.
1: And the belief is that so long as the heart contains blood, so long will any of the immediate family who are suffering from consumption continue to grow worse. But if the heart is burned, that the patient will get better. And to make the cure certain, the ashes of the heart and liver should be eaten by the person afflicted.
0: Despairing of his son Edwin's condition, and with little hope in uh, medical solutions of the day, Mercy's father arranged for this operation to be carried out on March 17, 1892. The uh, disinterred bodies of his wife and eldest daughter proved to be little more than skeletons, but Mercy, who had only spent a few winter months in the crypt, had retained her flesh and organs and there were a few drops of blood still within her heart. While the family doctor who extracted the heart found this unremarkable given the cold conditions and relatively recent death, others in attendance took it as a sign of vampiric vitality, and the heart was burned, and the ashes of Mercy's organs were mixed with water and provided as a tonic to Edwin on his sickbed. Sadly, it does not appear to have helped as within two months, Edwin also succumbed to the disease. The slow, wasting death caused by tuberculosis, or consumption, as it was then called, was the fate of nearly a quarter of the population of 19th century New England. This idea that those claimed by the disease could consume other family members from the grave led to uh, dozens of ritual disinterments throughout the area, particularly in uh, Rhode Island, uh, Connecticut, and Vermont. Decried as backwoods barbarity when it happened in 1892, Mercy's uh, post-mortem uh, mutilation was the uh, last incident in a series that began in the 1730s. Some of the uh, earlier cases in the late 1700s involved another curious twist in the superstition described in a case from Vermont mentioned in David L. Mansfield's 1884 book The History of the Town of Dummerston*.
1: It is said that a vine or root of some kind grew from coffin to coffin of those of one family who died of consumption and were buried side by side. And when the growing vine had reached the coffin of the last one buried... Another one of the family would die. The only way to destroy the influence or effect was to break the vine, take up the body of the last one buried, and burn the vitals.
0: This ritual was carried out in September of 1792 on behalf of the family of a Lieutenant Spalding of Dummerston. A similar 1784 incident in Willington, Connecticut, provoked an outraged letter to the editors of the uh, Connecticut Courant from Councilman Moses Holmes, who attributed all the foolishness to...
1: A certain quack doctor. A foreigner.
0: As late as 1810, a traveling minister named Enoch Hayes Place wrote of a similar search for vampiric vines in Barnstead, New Hampshire and was told of an exhumation in a nearby shaker community in which 11 sprouts were allegedly found growing from the skeleton. In this case, those who touched the sprouts are said to have died and were soon joined in the grave by the tubercular patient for whom the ritual was undertaken. Reverend uh, Place had little use for this sort of thing and was sure to point that out. You might not believe that a town that is so charming, serene, and wholesome can actually still exist. But it does, and it is called Woodstock. There's no Starbucks, not a chain store in sight, and there's not even a traffic light in this
1: Vermont village. Woodstock still lives its history, and just walking down the street is transporting.
0: Well, uh, one bit of history I'm pretty sure Woodstock, Vermont is not actively reliving has to do with that time, or times, actually, that the uh, hearts of recently disinterred, disease-spreading vampires were uh, burned right there on the uh, picturesque village green. This happened first on Valentine's Day in 1817, when the heart of uh, Frederick Ransom was burned in the forge of the village blacksmith under the direction of his father. An even more elaborate ritual staged in 1830 is documented in an eyewitness account quoted in an 1889 edition of the Journal of American Folklore. Uh, This story involves the corpse of the eldest son of the Corwin family dug up when his younger brother was diagnosed with uh, tuberculosis. At the exhumation, the heart was removed by a team of doctors, which included founding members of uh, the Vermont Medical College, and was found
1: undecayed and containing liquid blood.
0: Which, according to the uh, medical team,
1: assured vampirism
0: in front of a large crowd consisting of
1: old men of renown, sound-minded fathers among the community, discreet, careful men.
0: The bloody heart was burned to ash in a cauldron. A certain measure of the ash was set aside for the uh, stricken Corwin boy and the pot containing the remainder was buried in the village green in a 15-foot hole filled, then covered by a 7-ton granite slab.
1: Then, to be safe, they sprinkled the granite-sealed grave with blood coming from a bullock or young castrated bull.
0: Some of the blood shed by the animal was also mixed into the ashes to be later administered as a tonic uh, to the boy. Despite all these precautions to secure the cauldron with the uh, vampiric ashes, local lore maintains that the cauldron disappeared, or at least was not successfully retrieved, when in 1890 some hooligans attempted to dig it up. A contemporary report from the uh, Vermont Standard imaginatively describes their adventure.
1: They heard a roaring noise as of some great conflagration going on in the bowels of the earth and a smell of sulfur began to fill the cavity whereupon in some alarm they hurried to the surface filled up the hole again and went their way it is reported that considerable disturbance took place on the surface of the ground for several days where the hole had been dug some rumblings and shaking of the earth and some smoke was emitted
0: Though the particular association between the uh, undead and uh, tuberculosis seems rather specific to New England, such things uh, aren't without precedent in Europe, as implied in our story from Dumerson, Connecticut, uh, by the attribution of all this to a foreign doctor. Folklorist Michael Bell, whose book, Food for the Dead, looks extensively at this topic, has suggested Germany as a possible source and found disinterment rituals intended to placate the undead among Pennsylvania Germans as late as 1949, citing a case having to do with the clothing in which a corpse is buried. But going further back in German history, one can find even closer parallels to the uh, New England undead and their uh, association with disease. In particular, the creature I'm referring to is the naktsera, from the word nak, for uh, after, as in afterlife, and uh, tzeren, which means to live off of. The uh, naktsera, like the New England cases, was particularly associated with disease and epidemics, and would likewise also torment or drain the life from those close to it. A defining attribute is its tendency to feed upon its shroud and even its own body, a sort of food providing the n- nourishment necessary for the creature to rise and continue feasting on the living. Scholarly references to the uh, noctsera go back uh, to the uh, 1400s, with the first mention, I find, appearing in the uh, German witch hunter's guide, the uh, Malios Maleficarum, It speaks of a town decimated by the plague, noting that.
1: There was a rumor that a certain buried woman was gradually eating the shroud in which she had been buried, and that the plague would not cease until she had eaten the whole shroud and absorbed it into her stomach. A council was held, and the magistrate and governor of the city dug up the grave and found half the shroud absorbed through the mouth and throat into the stomach sued in horror at this sight, the magistrate drew his sword and cut off her head and threw it out of the grave and at once the plague ceased
0: Another interesting term for the notzerera derived from the uh, noises that it produced in its grave would be the uh, schmatzen der Toten or smacking dead the first use of this uh, unpleasant Term seems to be uh, Heinrich Korman's 1610 volume of miracles associated with the dead, Miraculis Morturum, in which the phenomena is also strongly associated with times of plague. The, the topic takes center stage in the 1679 volume by theologian Philippus Rohr called in Latin The Masticating Dead. Among his examples, Rohr mentions a 1672 case from Leipzig of an exhumed corpse having devoured both his own arms, and that of a man interred in the town of Egwenschitz, uh, who had
1: devoured and swallowed his own shroud, but also half-devoured the corpse of a woman in a nearby grave.
0: War also mentions an undead creature in the village of Ninnestade, who in 1603 was heard... Uttering
1: from the grave, a hoarse sound like the heavy grunting of swine.
0: Revolting graveyard noises and corpses that have uh, gnawed off their arms are also discussed in the amusingly named 1703 publication, Treatise on the Chewing and Smacking of the Dead in Graves by minister and historian Mikhail Rand. But by the 1720s and 30s, a kind of vampire we recognize more today had arisen in the uh, Austrian-ruled region now known as Serbia. As reports came in of bodies being staked and burned, the notion of vampires leapt to public attention, as uh, we discussed in episode 20. This new eastern vampire and its association with blood drinking eventually overshadowed or subsumed the uh, German and English, as we'll see, notion of uh, shroud-eaters, or the uh, Nachtzehrer. Eventually, the uh, public panic over these uh, grisly exhumations and mutilations of corpses led Empress Maria Theresa of Austria to recruit the Dutch physician Gerhard van Swieten to look into the matter. His report attributed many or most of the phenomena to natural causes and didn't much to relegate the vampire to the world of fiction, but even the belief in the older Noctes persisted in some corners. I uh, find, uh, for instance, a volume from 1908, uh, "Communications of the uh, Silasian uh, Folklore Society," that's an area between Germany and the Czech Republic and Poland. Which uh, still reports an active belief that
1: nothing should be left close to the mouth of a corpse, no cloth or other material, lest they chew on it.
0: The English reports I uh, alluded to a moment ago uh, go even further back than those of the German shroud eaters. The uh, first attestation comes from Uh, Some miracle stories tacked onto a uh, life of St. Madwena written by uh, Geoffrey of Burton around 1135. It begins with uh, a feud between rival lords when two serfs run away from one and seek refuge with the other. Uh, At some point, the uh, miscreants die and are buried, but soon rise in undead form.
1: The whole following night... They walked through the paths and fields of the village, now in the shape of men, carrying wooden coffins on their shoulders, now in the likeness of bears or dogs or other animals. They spoke to the other peasants, banging on the walls of their houses and shouting, Move! Quickly! Move! Get going! Come!
0: It's... Not explicit, but it seems the undead, who are bringing a plague to the village, are calling uh, to others to join them in death. In any case, this is the result, as...
1: All the peasants fell into desperate straits, and within a few days, all except three perished by sudden death in a remarkable way.
0: The remedy, again, lies in richly destroying the bodies... And when the bishop gives his permission for exhumation, their shrouds, if not explicitly said to have been eaten, have been disturbed in the
1: grave. They found them intact, but the linen cloths over their faces were stained with blood. They cut off the men's heads and placed them in the graves between their legs, tore out the hearts from their corpses, and covered the bodies again with earth.
0: As in our New England stories, the hearts require a more potent form of annihilation by fire.
1: When they had at last burned up, they cracked with a great sound, and everyone saw an evil spirit in the form of a crow fly from the flame. Soon after this was done, both the disease and the phantoms ceased.
0: While most of the village seems to have died off, the incineration of the hearts is said to have relieved at least two peasants of their sickness. Another source of English stories of the undead, appearing around the same time uh, in the uh, 12th century, is William of Newburgh's Historia Rerum Anglicarum, or uh, the History of English Affairs. In it, he tells of a nameless criminal living near Anantis Castle, who while trying to spy on his adulterous wife falls from his perch in the rafters and, though mortally wounded, ignores his obligation to make a final confession. After his death and burial, Satan raises him from the grave.
1: And pursued by a pack of dogs with horrible barkings, he wandered through the courts and around the houses while all men made fast their doors and did not dare to go abroad on any errand whatever from the beginning of the night until the sunrise for fear of meeting and being beaten black and blue by this vagrant monster. But those precautions were of no avail, for the atmosphere poisoned by the vagaries of this foul carcass filled every house with disease and death by its pestiferous breath,
0: When the body is exhumed, the corpse is...
1: Swollen to an enormous corpulence, with its countenance beyond measure, turgid and suffused with blood, while the napkin in which it had been wrapped appeared nearly torn to pieces. The young men, however, spurred on by wrath, feared not, and inflicted a wound upon the senseless carcass, out of which incontinently flowed such a stream of blood that it might have been taken for a leech filled with the blood of many persons. Then, dragging it beyond the village, they speedily constructed a funeral pile, and upon one of them, saying that it was the pestilential body, would not burn unless its heart was torn out the other laid open its side by repeated blows of the blunted spade, and, thrusting in his hand, dragged out the accursed heart, this being torn peace and the body now consigned to the flames. The pestilence which was rife among the people ceased, as if the air which had been corrupted by the contagious motions of the dreadful corpse were already purified by the fire which had consumed it.
0: While there's plenty of myth woven into stories like these, archaeological finds, known as uh, deviant burials uh, or therapeutic burials or bone disruptions, uh, provide evidence at least of the preventative measures undertaken against the undead of Burton's uh, mention of heads being cut off and placed between the legs of the undead calls to mind the discovery in 1990 in Griswold, Connecticut of the remains of one of our uh, tuberculosis vampires reburied in 1790. The skull was found removed from the spine and placed Jolly Rogers style between two crossing femurs. While there have been a number of bodies uncovered with the uh, familiar stake securing it to the grave... The most commonly uncovered uh, bone disruption seems to involve the wrenching open of the jaw to accommodate a stone jammed into the mouth to stop the creature from feeding on its shroud, or worse, the blood or vitality of those above the earth. This treatment, along with the uh, use of coins or earth loaded into the mouth, is also mentioned by Ramft in his uh, treatise on the chewing and smacking of the dead in graves. In the last few decades, there have been a number of well-publicized cases of such deviant burials. A uh, 2016 discovery of a uh, 500-year-old grave in the uh, Polish town of uh, Kamien Pomorski, and the uh, famous vampire of Venice excavated in 2006, significantly from among the bodies buried on the uh, cemetery island for plague victims, Nuovo Lazzaretto. Receiving less attention but attesting to the age of the custom was a 2018 discovery in an Umbrian cemetery of a 5th century skeleton of a 10-year-old of undetermined sex with a rock or brick lodged in its jaws. Significantly, this skeleton showed forensic evidence of suffering from malaria and was buried amid other bodies showing similar signs suggesting the burial was undertaken to combat an epidemic for which this... uh, ...supposedly vampiric child may have been held responsible. Now, realizing I would be talking about vampires and the plague... ...I'd imagine the uh, scenes in the German movie Nosferatu associating the two... ...probably came to mind for a lot of listeners... Uh, director F.W. Murnau's uh, 1922 version of the Dracula story, uh, as well as Herzog's 1979 remake, uh, use a number of means to associate the uh, vampire with the plague. Instead of arriving from Transylvania in 1890s London, it's staged in uh, 1840s Bremen to uh, coincide with an actual uh, historic plague in that uh, North German town. When the uh, ship burying Dracula, or uh, Orlok, as he's here renamed, uh, drifts into port with its lifeless crew, the townspeople ascribe the deaths to plague and panic ensues. Later scenes show massive funeral processions that suggest at once both a time of plague and uh, deaths caused by the vampire. And Perhaps uh, taking a cue from Orlok's very rat-like makeup in the original, uh, Herzog uh, plays up this connection, giving us... Uh, a literal horde of rats pouring out of the Death Ship, and uh, adds to uh, Murnau's uh, funeral processions a surreal scene in the town square mimicking the uh, medieval dance of death associated with the uh, Black Death. None of this is uh, in Bram Stoker's Dracula. But if we return to our New England vampires and their connection to tuberculosis deaths, we may find something. Upon Stoker's death, boxes of materials used in the composition of his novel were uncovered, and among these was an 1896 New York world clipping describing the Mercy Brown incident. As Some have argued that the novel's uh, publication only a year later would mean that the Mercy Brown case could not have played a major role in the story's conception, but elements may have nonetheless made their way in. Uh, Stoker's character of uh, Lucy Westernra has uh, drawn comparison to Mercy, both of whom were 19 at the time of their deaths, and both revealed as vampires when their coffins are dramatically opened. This uh, may all be very speculative, but a stronger connection between Stoker's vampires and tuberculosis is suggested in the uh, character Mina's description of Lucy in uh, terms that could equally describe a delicate consumptive.
1: All the time the roses in her cheeks are fading, and she gets weaker and more languid day by day. At night I hear her gasping as if for air.
0: The resemblance between the literary vampire and the consumptive is pronounced. First, the uh, tuberculosis patient is notably pale, which has given rise to another name by which the disease was known, uh, that in our show title, the White Plague. Uh, The patients would also grow gaunt, uh, with sunken eyes, and thanks to coughing fits, bringing uh, blood up from the airways, the corners of their mouths might be streaked with blood. Patients would rarely sleep through the night thanks to coughing fits and would therefore adopt nocturnal habits resembling Lucy's uh, nighttime sleepwalking, for instance. The wan, delicate look exhibited by those suffering from the disease uh, came to be embraced during the 1800s as an outward expression of a uh, desirably uh, feminine or artistic nature. The poet Byron somewhat wryly wished for uh, tuberculosis, explaining to his friend uh, Lord Sligo...
1: Because then all women would say, see that poor Byron, how interesting he looks in dying.
0: The uh, romantic uh, French writer Alexandre Dumas likewise observed... In
1: 1823 and 1824, it was a fashion to suffer from the lungs... Everybody was consumptive, poets especially. It was good form to spit blood after each emotion that was at all sensational and to die before reaching age 30.
0: Fashionable women emulated the consumptive look by starving themselves and chemically whitening their skin. The look was perfectly embodied by the famous Pre-Raphaelite model, Elizabeth Siddle, who was so sickly that at the time of her wedding she was unable to make the five-minute walk to the church and had to be carried. And other artists found themselves uh, fascinated by the consumptive look. Despite his grief upon losing his uh, wife Camille to tuberculosis, uh, Claude Monet uh, found himself compelled to paint her in death in 1879, remarking on her morbid beauty.
1: Finding myself at the deathbed of a loved one, I was surprised by the colors that death brought to her immobile face.
0: Edvard Munch also found himself compelled to paint The Sick Child in uh, 1885, a portrait of his elder sister dying of consumption. And it was not just a matter of attractive colors either. A particular aspect of the disease uh, associated it with the creative process, uh, namely, a type of fevered, optimistic, nervous energy, or even euphoria, that was a, a characteristic phase of the disease's course. It's uh, called spes tisica, spes being the Roman goddess of hope, and uh, tisica from the uh, Greek word for tuberculosis, or uh, wasting disease coming from the Greek word for to waste away or to decay. The uh, slow, supposedly uh, gentle course of the disease also caused Edgar Allan Poe to have a character in his uh, story, uh, Metzingerstein, to declare after contracting tuberculosis.
1: It is a path that I have prayed to follow. I would wish all I love to perish of that gentle disease.
0: Poe would later confront the disease on more realistic terms when his wife Virginia contracted tuberculosis. But prevailing attitudes and perhaps his unflaggingly gothic sensibilities still caused him to regard Virginia's state as...
1: Delicately, morbidly angelic.
0: And he later remarked in a letter on Virginia being overtaken by a coughing fit.
1: Suddenly she stopped, clutched her throat, and a wave of crimson blood ran down her breast. It rendered her even more angelic.
0: But the uh, literary figure uh, perhaps most often associated with the disease as he succumbed to it himself in 1821 is John Keats. The poet not only lost his mother to consumption, uh, but also nursed his brother who was dying of the same disease. And he had received medical training uh, before abandoning that for poetry, so that uh, when in 1818 he found himself coughing uh, blood onto his pillow, He said to his uh, friend, John Arbuthnot Brown,
1: I know the color of that blood. It is arterial blood. I cannot be deceived by its color. It is my death warrant. I must die.
0: On stages all through the 1800s, female characters beautifully succumb to consumption. Uh, we are hearing a classic example, Violetta's death from Verdi's 1854 opera La Traviata. Uh, she's led a libertine's life, and scandal has prevented uh, her marriage into an honorable family, that of her true love, Alfredo. But as is typical in the romantic conception of the disease, her suffering has somehow purified her And at her death, their love is redeemed. And now Mimi has just died of tuberculosis in Puccini's 1896 opera, La Boheme. Uh, She's been dying from the beginning of the story and has uh, left her true love, starving artist Rudolfo, to live with a wealthy count who can better provide for her in her sickness, but by the end has returned to die romantically in Rudolfo's arms. And uh, speaking of music, there is also uh, Chopin, whose wife, known by her masculine pen name uh, Georges Sand, uh, like Poe, described her consumptive husband as a
1: poor melancholy angel,
0: commenting that
1: Chopin coughs with infinite grace. Uh, perhaps
0: this was all said a bit ironically, if uh, truth be told. As she's said to have been a bit of an impatient nurse, uh, likely because her husband's sickbed was surrounded by fawning, fainting Parisian women who found it all morbidly romantic. Also morbid would be Chopin's last uh, request, that upon his death his heart be removed and returned to his native Poland. He doubted that uh, request to return his whole body would be honored by the French who'd grown rather attached to him. His heart was indeed removed, though not burned like Mercy Brown's, uh, and smuggled back to his homeland by his sister, preserved, perhaps appropriately, in a jar of cognac. And uh, to end our program, just as we began with a bit of music played at a funeral, I give you Chopin's choice for what would accompany the burial of his uh, mostly intact body, which, of course, was his own composition. I do hope everyone's been enjoying our show and that you uh, might have the uh, opportunity to share episodes with friends who might likewise enjoy what we do here. Um, we particularly appreciate reviews as these uh, help raise the show's visibility on uh, Apple Podcasts and Stitcher and other outlets. Uh, if you've uh, left a review, by all means, let me know and I'll give you a little shout out. Our website, com, provides links to our Facebook group, Twitter and Instagram, along with uh, show notes uh, with... Uh, Plenty of images and video links to uh, film trailers, uh, music clips, or other audio used in the show. Music and sound design otherwise are all original for this program. Uh, you can also find our donor link on the site. Uh, Patreon members have a choice of rewards, including uh, exclusive access to uh, extra elements that go into the uh, making of the podcast, digital downloads of rare books used in the show preparation, uh, the show Soundscapes you hear in the background, uh, my Krampus' book, and a special mystery kit mailed to our top-level donors. Donation levels begin at $1 a month, and your support via Patreon is the sole support that that pays for the uh, more than 100 hours of work that goes into each episode. A uh, special thanks to our new patrons, Doug Cope, uh, Scully, Brett Copeland, and uh, Daniel Donathan. And thank you uh, to uh, St. Gabriel for the kind review. The show is written and produced by me, Al Reidenauer. Mrs. Carswell is played by Sarah Chavez, whose uh, projects and writing related to uh, death and culture you can track at sarah-chavez.com. And thanks so much for listening.